Well, good morning and welcome to Calvary Baptist Church. My name is Mary Alice and I'm one of the ministers here at Calvary. And if you are new here at Calvary, we are really glad that you're here. And we just want you to know that you are welcome here. We would be honored for the opportunity to get to know you better. And one way that can happen is if you would fill out this card that's in your pew with your email or your phone number and then place it in the offering plate later in the service. Um, that's also just a great way that you can ask for more information about different ministries at Calvary or to let us know how we can be praying with you in the coming week. Well, you'll notice that we've kind of got a, an empty section up here and several of our youth aren't here today, but several of you are and I'm glad that y'all are here as well. Um, but some of our youth are with Allie and Hank and their youth leaders at the Midwinter Retreat at Latham Springs along with several of our CBF partner churches in the area. And so they will be back later today, and we look forward to hearing what a great weekend they've had together. You'll also notice that, that Randall and Brenda Bradley aren't here today. Randall's father, Don Bradley, passed away on Wednesday morning this week at his home in Alabama, and it's actually the same home where he was born. Um, Randall left town on Monday evening and was able to be home and be with his family for those final hours together. The service for Mr. Bradley was yesterday, and Randall will be staying with his family for a few more days in Alabama, and then will be back with us later next week. Additionally, another staff member has experienced a loss this weekend, and Guillermo's grandmother, Isabel, there you are, pointed to the organ and realized that wasn't you, there you are. Guillermo's grandmother, Isabel, passed away in Brazil um, after a difficult battle with Alzheimer's and dementia. And Guillermo and Carla are very grateful that they got to see her and um, to say goodbye to her over that Christmas break. But we also know it's difficult to grieve, especially when you're so far away from family. So let's keep all of these situations and especially these staff members and their families in prayer and hold them in God's light in the days ahead. I'm mindful as we begin worship today after a difficult week for several in our faith community and a difficult week for many in our world. Um, yet I also know that this is precisely where we need to be today, as the family of God in this place, with the God who gathers all of us together. And so I hope you will hear these words as a call to worship as we focus our minds and our hearts together this morning. Oh God, you are the gathering one who calls us into community with each other, to love and to work, to support and to heal. You are the gathering one who calls us into community with all people to bring justice and hope, freedom and truth. You are the gathering one who calls us into community with the whole of creation to live in harmony, to cherish, and to renew. And so let us worship the God who gathers all of us together and makes us one. Amen.
has been loud this week. We're surrounded by voices filled with anxiety and fear and anger and uncertainty, and it's hard to turn those voices off, Lord. We are weary, Lord. We struggle to silence the voices on our own, and so we come here this morning to find quiet and rest in you together in this place. We come to listen for your voice, 
the voice that calls us beloved, the voice that says, peace be with you, the voice that summons us to let go of our need for control with the words, come, follow me. Help us to hear and follow your voice this morning as we worship together and remember whose we are. Amen. You have called us out of darkest night into your glorious light that we may sing the wonders of the risen Christ. May your every breath retell the grace that broke into strive with boundless love and deepest joy with endless light may the peoples praise you let the nations be glad all your blessing comes that we may pray The earth is yours and all within Each harvest is your own And from your hand we give to you To make Christ known May the seeds of mercy grow in us For those who have not church proclaim. May the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad. All your blessing comes that we
Children, come forward and join me here at the steps. Good morning. I like that bow in your hair. I, you think it would look good on me? I think I need a bow in my hair. I'm so glad to see all, all of you and that you're here for church this morning. My name is Bert, and I'm the interim pastor. That means I'm kind of the in-between pastor uh, as we look for a new pastor here at Calvary Baptist Church. So I'm glad to get to be here with you this morning, and I want you to do me a favor. I just want you to repeat these five words after me, okay? Are, are you listening? So the five words are, I just had an epiphany. All right, I want you to say that. Ready? I just had an epiphany. Try it again. I just had an epiphany. Now, I think you need to put a little enthusiasm in it now. I want you to go, I just had an epiphany, like that. Ready? you gotta, you got to be real excited about this. Ready? Go. I just had an epiphany. Right. Now, now, you need some choreography, too. So you go like this first. You go, I just had an epiphany. Ready? Ready? Do this with me. Ready? I just had an epiphany. Everyone, do it with me. Ready? I just had an epiphany. So, what is an epiphany? Maybe, when I was your age, I wouldn't have known that word at all. Some of you might know it. It's, epiphany is kind of like where the light comes on and you get to see things better. Like, have you ever been in your bedroom at night and you think there's something over there in the corner that doesn't look right and you see it? Yeah, it looks like somebody's in there. And then maybe you think, oh, and you get scared and you turn on the light and you see, it's just where I hung my sweater up. You know, and it's just my sweater, but I couldn't see it till the light comes on. So you're like, you can. Next time you can go. I just had an epiphany. Ready? Do it again. I just had an epiphany. Okay, so it, you you might do that like when you figure out multiplication tables and how that works. You could go. You ready? You could go. I just had an epiphany, or you learn how to jump rope, and it takes a while, but it finally gets to you, and you say, remember. I just had an epiphany, or you learn how to play a new video game, and, and you finally see it, and you got it, and you say, I just had an epiphany, or one day you say, all guys aren't so gross, and you say, I just had, or all, all girls aren't so creepy, right? And I just had an epiphany. So we have epiphanies all the time, don't we? Light bulbs come coming on, and, and sometimes it's about things like math or about playing video games. Sometimes it's about the really, really big stuff of life, and you realize, oh, I see this in a new way now. We are in, right now, a season called Epiphany. You know, we have 
a season called Christmas. Well, we're in a season called Epiphany. And in a moment, when you get back to your, to your seats, two of our friends, Phil and Pat, are going to come up and read two texts, two stories from the Bible that are all about epiphanies. And I want you to listen real, real carefully, okay? And, and I want you to imagine the people in the Bible stories going, I just had an epiphany, okay? I want you to go back quietly now to your seats and listen to the Word of God as we hear stories about epiphany. I'll see you later. reading from the gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth, he went to the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said to the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And then from that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and they left the nets and followed him. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in the boat with their father Zebedee, preparing the nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat, and they left their father, and they followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. A reading from the book of Acts. Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in the area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the providence of Asia. When they came to the border of Messiah, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia to help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Toaz, we put out to sea 
and sailed straight through Samothrace. And the next day we went to Neapolis and then to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city in that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Theratyra named Lydia, a dealer of purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. There's a call comes ringing o'er the restless ways. Send the lights, send the lights. There are souls to rescue, there are souls to save. Send the lights, send the lights, send the lights. Light. 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 Shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore. We have heard the Macedonian call today. Send the light. Send the light and a golden offering at the cross we lay. Send the light, send the light, send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore. Let us pray that grace may everywhere abound. Send the light, send the light, and the Christ-like spirit
Oh God, we join our hearts and minds, our faith together, called as we are to care about this world and one another, to pray. Here in this place, we're aware of our limitations. We're going to trust here in this moment that as we reach out to those who need us in prayer, somehow we make available something to you that you can use redemptively in this world. We remember today Randall and his family, Garmay and his family, as they grieve and pray that these days of journey will also, uh, of grief will also bring to them moments of blessing that are powerful and healing. God, we remember places beyond this safe place where people are vulnerable, especially to violence, Cameroon, and those who are there, especially Gladys's loved ones. We hold them in your light and pray for those who would bring calm and peace and strength to that situation. For all who are refugees this day, we pray for open hearts and open lands where they may be. For those here around us and the difficulty with Waco winter nights who are vulnerable to cold and not being able to make their way, God help us to care and help us to act, help us to see them. Lord, we pray for our nation, those who lead, that they might feel your conviction upon them, your call to compassion and justice and righteousness. And help us all, Lord, in these days as we discern what is good and true and what's beautiful and right. Help us as we try to be open to your leading in terms of what we ought to do. We desire truth in our inward being, so teach us wisdom in the sacred heart. Amen. This is a, a season where discernment really does matter, and I just want to ask you here at the beginning of the sermon, how do you do that? How do you know what you know? How do you know what's true? How do you do what's right? How do you know what to do and what to be? How do you decide what you decide and discern what you discern? I know as Christians, in some sense, we're just supposed to do what Jesus would do, but WWJD, I mean, really, how do you know what Jesus would do? So we're there all the time as human beings. We're, we're deciding things all the time and discerning this and that. And I, I'm just curious how you get there. Which doctrines? Which paths? Which choices? Again, these are going to be important days for discernment. How do you go about that? You tend to trust your gut, pray, talk to trusted friends, mentors, read Facebook, go to fact check, go over to Waco, drive and do a tarot reading. How do you decide? How do we decide? The church, because it's not just about you, right, but communities that are always trying to work things out on how we know what we know. 
If you grew up like me in an old Baptist church, there was one answer, and and you just join me if you're able to, right? The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. It was sort of a Baptist version of solo scriptura, right? That's how we answered the question. That's how we knew it was our proclaimed epistemology. But there was this problem. Uh, There's just one minor problem. It wasn't true. We sang it all the time, but hang on, it wasn't true. We were people of the book for sure sincere, simple biblicist, but it was never true that we stood alone on the B-I-B-L-E. We weren't by ourselves alone, were we? And what we knew was not coming from the Bible alone, from the Bible only. We just thought it was. I'm preaching, you know, in these days of epiphany, about things we've come to know, and I'm saying in particular, as moderate Baptists, there's some things that have come our way. We've changed some, and one of the ways is how we know what we know, or maybe said better, how we understand what we know. I think we've stepped into a different kind of understanding about that. Knowing the truth isn't merely about a person sitting with a Bible in a living room by themselves within their lap, and it really never really was. I think we're just getting to the place where we can think better about that in this denominational yard sale we're in. We all began to see a bigger picture, I think. Different traditions. We, we, st- we started seeing that and, and understanding, and, and in some ways, Really, the story of the church is about that very thing. It's about all these preferred epistemologies, how we know what we know. You can organize a church history class, I think, around that. What's authoritative for this bunch or for that bunch? The Quakers, for instance, may be saying, well, you you can know what you know because within us there is an inner voice. And if we get mature enough and quiet enough, we'll hear it. And you know what? They would be right. Or there's the Pentecostals who might say to us, you know, God speaks to us all the time. You know, an open door comes along. You can bet that was God who opened the door, especially if you've prayed. And you know what? They're right. Or there would be monastics, say, or or just Orthodox Christians around the world who would say, actually what you need, you have to have a spiritual elder, a spiritual mature guide This person who tells you what you need to be doing and how to practice, and you need to trust that person and what they say, and they'd be right. Others would say it's the church. God gave the church authority, and they would mean by that, you know, the tradition with a capital T, T, not a a body of believers one time in one place, but in time, over time, the Spirit led us, the church, to truth which we now hold, and they'd be right. Baptists would be quick to raise a hand and say, uh, yeah, but it's not only the church throughout time, it's also the church in this spot right here on 18th and and Bosque in Waco, Texas. It's they who discern what's right and would be right. And of course, we'd all hold up our Bibles if we ever brought them to church anymore and say, here, well, it's here. Here's the truth. Just if you'll look this, if you if you'll read and discern, you'll be you'll be right, and we would be right in saying that. Our Wesleyan friends, Methodist folks, might say, "Sure, but you, can you throw in there a little common sense and make room for a little bit of reason?" God gave you a mind. 
And they're right, God did. Maybe some liberation theologians might say, you know, here's where you got to look. You got to look in history. God never stops changing the world and reconciling the world. Pay attention to that. That's how you'll know. Others, maybe mystics, would say, pay attention to your dreams, why don't you? Start opening your heart. Don't be surprised if you don't have some sort of vision. You see how it's worked throughout time? Catholics here and Baptists there and mystics over here and rationalists over there. Different groups divided in many ways by what they considered authoritative. How is it that they knew what they knew? And for centuries, I think these were fairly distinct ways of thinking. These were well-defined streams, you know, running through time, separated, unfortunately, really, by cultures and ethnicity and experience and doctrines and geography and traditions and by some small-mindedness and some fear and some arrogance. But remember, thanks be to God, all that's changing not just for Baptists but for the church. And these days, nowadays, if you're in Waco, maybe you meet a Mennonite who's dressed in that very modest, simple way. And rather than thinking, how weird is that? You might just find yourself being very curious about their spiritual practice and what they believe and what you might learn from them. And these days we get curious, right, about other traditions. Why do they pray that way? What might happen if I knelt when I prayed? Why do they pray that way? You know, they look at an icon, they gaze on that. What does that mean that they do that? Or, or they sing differently than we do. I wonder what it would be like at night for me to chant a psalm. You see how curious we are now? That wasn't in the water, so to speak, a few years back. Baptist, I think, have stepped into a really wonderful time. We all have. These, these streams are kind of converging, and sure, that can create some rapids and stuff. But really, now we're in a wider river where these streams are running together, and we're asking, I think, in a more honest, more full way, how do we know what we know? And I know, Baptists, we're going to start with Scripture always, but hear this. Scripture, listen carefully, actually points us beyond Scripture. And Acts is a great help as we see the earliest church coming to know what they came to know in this time of great, great change. As they did, their epistemology was a, a many-splendored thing. There were all sorts of things going on. Everything I've mentioned was in play. All sorts of ways of knowing and discerning, right, were valued, and they were relied upon. The charismatic, for instance, you see this in, in Scripture. Remember when Peter is thrown, he, he, he's thrown in jail and he has to go speak to the authorities, and he stands up before him and he said, look, this has happened, okay? The Spirit fell on us. God told us to say this. What else are we supposed to do? I'm going to obey God, not, not you all. It's, it's very experiential. In the first days of the church, it was also mystical. I mean, an angel tells Philip, you go out on that road out there that goes to Gaza. And he, and he does, and he meets and baptizes the Ethiopian whom he had led to Christ and, and changed who knows what in that part of the world where that person would return. In the text today, as we were reading there, Paul has this dream about where to take the gospel, and he assumes immediately it's from God. So Paul, the apostle, is not just interpreting the Bible, he's doing dream interpretation in Acts 16. See, see all that's in play? Certainly, the authority of the church is there, that's in play, and some Baptists squirm on this one, we, we heard them read it in the text. As they traveled from town to town, 
They're talking about Paul and his company. They delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So all the churches were strengthened. And I know some of us are squirming, but here's what's in the Bible. We People of the book need to see it. Leaders in the church from the beginning were seen as holding and conveying the truths they had heard from Jesus, and the people were submissive to it. Some democratically-minded folks in Jerusalem, Jewish Christians, you know, they wrote a letter to the Gentiles and says, you know, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, meaning they took a vote, not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. They didn't require circumcision but they did require as the big c church does a few other things that's in the bible you're gonna have to struggle with that moderate bible believing baptists the church requiring things from other churches it's all in the mix in acts sometimes just because someone a pastoral apostolic leader like paul said it they said, well, he said it, that's what we're going to do. But then note, it's not that easy now. Note in the incident with Barnabas, Barnabas stands up to Paul and tells him he's wrong. Luke records it. It's, it's like saying to the Pope, you're wrong and I'm going to go a different way. There's a sharp disagreement and they went their separate ways. Very individualistic. One person standing his ground and trusting that God would speak to him too. You see all these streams merging and interacting in acts and this trust that they have that God is going to guide them and reveal to them through it all? And Scripture was certainly very important. They would often, when they were at a crossroads, they would find themselves, because they were equipped in this way, they would find themselves reflecting on the Old Testament, maybe quoting the psalmist or prophets or Isaiah a lot. Matthew did that very thing. Uh, in the text we read. We, they made sense out of what was going on in light of the, the ancient text. How did they know? How did they discern with one another in prayer, through argument, through scripture, by dreams, with consensus? They even cast lots, remember one time. They rolled some dice to pick a replacement for Judas. They prayed, it says, and then they did paper, rock, scissors, and and somehow trusted that God would work in that sort of bodily, experiential way to lead them to where they needed to get. What they were knowing was certainly grounded in their tradition, but what they were knowing was also open to the serendipitous. They responded to what was happening right in front of them, right? Lydia persuades a new believer, persuades Paul to stay there. Paul's responding to what God is doing in the moment. All of this is in play in the church. They're trying to do God's will just like we are. And all this was in play. It was in play back when Baptists first started trying to, to do these sorts of things together. It was never, the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. Do you remember that bumper sticker a number of years ago? It was never that way. And that, by the way, I think is a heresy. Because understanding the divine mystery is never settled. We always hold this humbly. So how do we know what we know? How do you do it? All of this has to be vital, I think, if, and this is the big if, if what we're after is healthy faith and a healthy faith community, 
All of these ways of knowing are important and listen when they're divorced from one another as they often have been in certain believers' lives and in certain churches when they get separated from one another. They can be deadening at the very least if not dangerous for individuals and for churches and communions and for the world. We're less healthy when we lose a full way of experiencing God's leading in our lives. We, we, we do believe in a personal God who speaks sometimes very clearly to individuals. And, and there may be a day when it's just you standing in, against the masses, you know, somehow knowing God has spoken to you, I'm standing here, I can do no other, God has con- convicted you. But if that's the case, if that's all it is, it's liable to be a problem and you're liable to be a problem. I read a, a leading moderate Baptist a few years back saying in an article, no one has the right to tell you what to believe. Well, legally and constitutionally and democratically and relationally, that's right, and we Baptists died for the truth of it. But spiritually, I think it couldn't be more wrong, and don't faint, just listen. If your goal is healthy faith, if your goal is Christ-likeness, if the, if the aim is growing up spiritually, then it's never ever me, myself, and I. It's more to whom or to what should I be submitting in this season of my life. We, we need one another if maturing is the goal. And we need the church, local and historical, and we need the apostles and the faith once delivered, and we need what's being delivered afresh to you And we need traditional teachers and we need radical prophets. If we want to know what God wants us to know, we need the whole. And I want to say, and and I hope this encourages you, I, I think in our moderate path, we've come to acknowledge that in a fuller way. We've seen how we know and we see and we celebrate that. We bless it, we own it as how God intends for us to know. Sometimes through visions, sometimes just because it makes sense. And we had a vote on Wednesday night at the business meeting. Sometimes we just got still and quiet and started listening. Sometimes through a new friend. Lydia convinces us of something. Sometimes through an old Bible. But if you want to know in the way that that Bible teaches you to know, you're going to have to do more than just open a Bible. It can't just be you and your Bible or you and your calculator or you and your dreams or Are you in your church? Are you in your guru? It takes all of this and mostly a heart that is longing to know God. That's really what we're going to have to be after. It's not just a a little advice on which church to join, right? Or I just need a sign at the fork in the road or not just some clarity about an ethical or theological dilemma or, you know, something about a theological position or who to marry or how to vote on this issue. All that's very important. But at the end of the day, isn't it all about pursuing God? All aims, this one target. All loves, this one affection. And all our discerning, this one end. Oh Lord, you are good. Oh Lord, you are ultimate. 
you are the mystery that holds us. And trusting in all of that, we open our hearts, especially in these days. We submit our wills. We search our minds in the minds of those who've gone before us. We watch your world. We listen to that small, still voice within us. We read your word. We meditate on your holy word. That we might know fully, even as we have always been known. Through Christ we pray. Amen. It's always been our practice as, as Baptists to express what we come to know in some way. We'll do that as we stand to sing a hymn, but also as we always do, our ministers will be at the back to receive you and pray with you and think with you about how you're being led and the discernment that you're being led toward in your, your life. Let's stand together as we sing. call on our lives, one in which we are to follow Christ and to live in the ways that he lived. 
At this table, we are also reminded of the ways in which we have failed to live into that calling. We have tried to follow Christ, and sometimes we have failed. And yet our merciful and gracious God chooses to meet us here. This God meets us in our failure and our brokenness. This God continues to be present with us and to teach us and guide us. God has not given up on us and continues to call out to us, saying, follow me. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would open our hearts this very moment and fill us with your spirit so that we can feel your love invade us, that amazing and unconditional love that was shown so wonderfully to us when Jesus died for our sins on Calvary's cross so that we could have eternal life with you. We pray that you would help us in this very moment to clearly understand that through this sacrament of communion that we identify completely with you and your love and we commit ourselves to follow you, to honor you, to glorify you in all we say and all that we do. Come, Lord, come into our hearts this very moment. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll come to different stations around the sanctuary for the Lord's Supper. There are three stations at the front and a gluten-free station at the back. You are invited to come to the station nearest to you. If you would like to receive the Lord's Supper at your seat, please raise your hand and a deacon will come to you. And children who have not made a profession of faith are invited to come and receive a blessing up here at the front. So today we come to the table again to remember how Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed and arrested, took bread. And he broke it. And he gave thanks for it, saying, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, Jesus took the cup, and he blessed it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant, which is poured out for you. As often as you drink, do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the saving death of the cross, and uh, the risen Lord, until he comes again. So let's come to the table. Those of us who have much faith and those of us who wish to have more. Those who have been here often and those who have been here for a short time. Those who have tried to follow Jesus and those who have failed. Come, it is Christ who invites us to this table. Here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you are my God, and you're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. Here I am to bow down. Here 
to say that you're my God, and you're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. served unrestrained your love is wild your love is wild for me it isn't shy it's unashamed your love is proud to be seen with me You don't give your heart in pieces. You don't hide yourself to tease us. Uncontrolled uncontained your love is a fire burning bright for me it's not a spark it's not just a flame your love is a light that all the world will see all the world will see you don't give your heart in pieces you don't hide yourself to tease us you don't give your heart in pieces you don't hide yourself to tease us your love's not fractured it's not a troubled mind it isn't anxious it's not the restless kind your love's not passive it's never disengaged it's always present it hangs on every word we say love keeps its promises it keeps its word it honors what's sacred, cause its vows are good. Lo 
love's not broken, it's not insecure. Your love's not selfish, your love is pure. You don't give your heart in pieces. Lord, you don't hide yourself to I'm mindful that we have several visitors with us again today, and we are so glad you're here. And so as we're leaving today, I hope you'll look around you and make someone feel welcome and get to know someone that you may not know. Also, after worship today is our taco stack-up lunch, so we hope everyone will join us for that. Be watching the announcements about different lunches that are planned for this spring. It's not necessarily falling on the first Sunday or the second Sunday just because of spring break and Easter and different holidays. But I can tell you that lunch always falls on a Sunday with a date that has a nine in it, which sounds really random, and we actually didn't even plan it that way. But if there's a Sunday that has a date with a nine in it, we're having lunch that day. 
So we hope you'll join us for those lunches. Also, as is our tradition, thank you, Ken Surrey, for waving at me. Um, every week when we take the Lord's Supper, we also collect the Samaritans Fund. And that team has been meeting and working so hard. There were several very generous gifts given at the end of the year that we've been able to really use um, to walk alongside and support different individuals in our congregation and in our community. So thank you so much for giving generously toward that. Also, Phil Sitton wanted me to remind you that you should be getting a letter in this, the mail this week with your statement for giving. So please take a look at that and contact him if you have any questions or concerns about that because he'd love to visit with you. And now Emily Davis has a special introduction to make for us. On behalf of the Preschool Coordinator Search Committee, I'm excited to introduce you to Chelsea Reed, Calvary's new Preschool Coordinator. She is a graduate of Baylor, where she studied both music and child and family studies, and she has worked with preschool children at both Piper Child Development Center and Waco Montessori School. So we are excited to have her on. Please welcome her when you see her. Today, immediately after worship, she's going to be in the hallway um, for you to say hello to her when you're leaving. And next Sunday, the Preschool and Children's Ministry Committee is hosting a meet and greet in the nursery for all parents, children, and preschool volunteers to come meet Chelsea. So we hope to see you there. Now, brothers and sisters, to God, who by the power at work within each one of us is able to do far more than we ask or far more than we can even imagine, to God be the glory in Christ Jesus and in his church and in each one of you. hope for the hopeless so that all hatred and blindness will be no more. Go in Christ's peace. 